Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Genesis uh, records the story of the first man and woman upon the face of the earth, Adam and Eve, and as they're there in the garden, they give in to sin and disobey God, and because of that, death enters the picture, and along with death comes disease and sickness and so many things that maybe you probably are battling right now, you or your family or someone you know and care about is probably likely sick or battling something or has battled something or maybe a serious type of disease or something's going on in your life, and it's the result, right, of what happened there in the garden, of this disobedience to God, all the things that we now experience because this world is defined as being under a curse. And so it kind of leaves us as Christians in a place in which we begin to start asking some questions, right? Like maybe the title of this statement of our sermon this morning. We should be praying for healing, right? But sometimes I think we have to ask that question, like, should we even pray for healing? Like, is that right? Is that okay? Is God fine with us praying for healing? Right. Um, what about medicine? Right. Have you ever wondered, like, should I take medicine? Like, like, how does God feel about that? Like, how does the interaction between faith, what I believe about what God's word says and then medicine? Right. How does that interact? Maybe you're asking the question, like, how do I pray for healing? Like believing that God can and yet praying not my will, but what? Thy will be done. Like, how does that even work? Like, does that like lessen my prayer? Like, I don't mean it or. Right. I mean, have you ever maybe wondered some of those practical things? And I think as we come this morning to Isaiah 38 and 39, we're going to get this moment of a hope of healing an encouragement that we should pray and we should be praying for healing. This hope that medicine might work, but none of this matters. Listen, none of this matters if God can heal. Right. If God can't heal, then it doesn't matter if we pray for healing. Right. So today we need to know, we have to know, is there evidence and proof in God's word that God actually heals people? And then maybe we have to ask a further question. If God can heal us physically, is he able to heal us spiritually? Could he actually heal my brokenness? Can he actually heal my sin? Like, who is this great God? And so Hezekiah, the king of Judah, is going to begin to reveal his life unto us as the prophet Isaiah writes. And we're going to encounter this idea of facing sickness and answering the question, should we pray for healing? Listen to this. Pick it up with me. Beginning verse 1 of Isaiah 38. In those days, Hezekiah became sick. Listen to how his sickness is defined. He was at the point of what? Point of death. Right, and it's interesting, I didn't mark it there, but in those days, right? So the days there indicate that this is taking us back to the time in which Isaiah 36 and 37 was unfolding, right? The Assyrians are coming toward the city of Jerusalem, right? And they're there trying to figure out what should we do. And so this is prior to the point in which God says, listen, I'm going to make the Assyrians, I'm going to make them run. And and in essence, he does that, right? He sends the, the, the angel of the Lord out, the angel of the Lord Puts to death 185,000, right? That's how chapter 37 closes. And so chapter 38 is a little bit of a rewind for us. 
Like it tells us some more details that were happening in this day and time. And so in those days, right, indicates this was taking place there in the midst of Isaiah 36 and 37. But notice about Hezekiah, he's sick. And sick, not just like kind of sick, like Hezekiah is at the point of death. Right. I don't know if you've ever been there, like you, you've maybe been in those rooms or you've been a part of that conversation. When you hear those words, I'm sorry, there's nothing else we can what we can do. Those are moments that will paralyze you. They'll take your breath away. Right? I mean, those are like numbing moments when you experience those moments when they're like, there's nothing else we can do. Hezekiah is there. He's sick and at the point of death and. To make matters even more serious, listen to what the prophet Isaiah comes and says. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amaz, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord. Listen to this statement here. Set your house in order. Why is he to do that? Four, right? He's going to tell you why. Here's why. You shall die. You shall not recover. Right? Let's be honest. Like if a doctor comes in and says... You're not going to live like you start to experience that, right? Like, I mean, you 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 would have to start feeling the moment of fear and the realization that death is coming at you. But this isn't just like a medical professional folk coming and sharing this, right? This is God for thus says the Lord set your house in order for you shall die. So like if God says you die, like you're going to die, right? Hezekiah is there. Listen to what he says to him. The prophet Isaiah says, set your house what? Set your house in order. We don't have time today, but you might just scribble down 1 Kings chapter 2. In 1 Kings chapter 2, David is getting ready to exit the scene. He's about to die. And he spends some time just talking to his son about some things that need to happen when he's gone. And he compels his son, listen, Solomon, stay faithful. Abide right in God's truth honor him right follow him and then he also lists the fact that says hey listen there's some unfinished business i'm handing things over to you so this idea of setting your house in order is a recognition right you're 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 helping your family you're helping your own soul right get ready for death and you need to be providing some of that key instruction like here's what needs to happen when i'm gone i don't know if you've had moments when someone came to you and just kind of maybe called you to set your house in order like the realization, like you got some pushback, maybe that your life was not reflecting God's word and his truth. Like someone loved you enough and cared enough, right? This isn't just blasting you with a megaphone. Someone that loves you and cares for you and they share the truth with you. The truth, listen, that you need to set your house in order. Like, are you prepared for death? What's going to happen when you stand before God? Right? And listen, I want to encourage you. These moments of setting your house in order, right? Those come about in everyday moments in conversation, right? Here's just some moments I just thought back of maybe over the last month or couple months of just opportunities that God's provided for me just to, to speak truth and say to someone, set your house in order, right? Kind of using those words. It was, um, I don't know, here in the last little bit, someone came in to make a delivery and the Lord just began to open the door to begin having a conversation with that individual about where they stood spiritually. Driving down the road and the Lord, the Spirit just says, listen, I want you to pull over the car and ask that person if they want to ride. Someone's just walking down the road, right? And the Spirit says, just pull the car over. And so you get them in the car and you just begin sharing the gospel with them, finding out about their life. Who are they? Where are they from? And 
Right? Sharing the hope of Christ. Several weeks back, I was in Tractor Supply right there in Camelsville trying to get some boots for the boys and look at some of that. And the next thing I know, there comes someone walking down the aisle and right then and there, man, guess what? It becomes a moment in which we just began to share the gospel and talk about the things of God. In the midst of redoing some of the things at the house, there's been folks and workers that have come in and out. And so it's just been an opportunity just to talk with them and have dialogue about where are they spiritually, right? I mean, it's just, again, I want to, I'm sharing those so you realize it's just everyday moments that you are interacting with people, talking with them about is their life, is their house spiritually in order? So this is what happens, right? The prophet Isaiah says it and look, notice what happens. Hezekiah's response, verse 2, says, Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. Notice what Hezekiah does. What's he do here? He prays. He prays to the Lord. Hezekiah turns and prays, right? He hears this grave announcement. Listen, you're going to die. You will not recover, right? And, And listen, he's obviously been sick and he's come to the point of death. And so he realizes it's not good. And now he hears this word that God says you're going to die. And so Hezekiah, look what he does. He prays and cries out to the Lord. Please, O Lord, remember how I've walked before you in faithfulness and with the whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. So Hezekiah is praying. He's weeping. He's crying out to God. But notice, I think it's interesting what Hezekiah does. He says, please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight right hezekiah is trying to do everything he can to get applied for god's health care plan right like god tell me what i have to do to be eligible for your health care right like just just sign me up god if you've got some questions i can answer it i think what's interesting here is, is that when god's going to answer in a minute he doesn't cite anything that hezekiah's done other than pray and cry out to him You see, it's interesting, I think, when we come to the New Testament, is that so often the New Testament, the people that Jesus is healing are people that don't seem to have their life very well in order. I mean, in fact, he even encounters people that are demon-possessed. But the one marker that constantly marks all these healings, or so many of the healings of Jesus, is the faith of the people. It's these people, listen, that other people would say there's no way they qualify for God's health care plan. And yet Jesus steps in and these people are the ones that are having faith, believing that he's able. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Right. I mean, we hear these moments, right? Even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the master's table. I, too, am a leader, right? I have men under me. I say to this one, go and he goes. And so you just say the word, right? You don't have to even come under my roof. And my mind that's sick will be healed. So listen, guys, as you come to pray, listen, remember, there is much of your faith that is involved in your time of healing. This listen again, Hezekiah signed all these good works, but look, watch what God's response is. Verse four, then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. All right, we don't have time today, but if you look in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 4 through 5, it recounts this very same scene. And, and the scene unfolds is that Isaiah comes in there and tells Hezekiah, listen, set your house in order for you shall surely die. On the way out, as Isaiah the prophet is leading, verse 4 and 5 of 2 Kings 20 tell us that guess what? As Hezekiah goes and prays, God sends a message to Isaiah, right? He's on the way out. 
He's just delivered this, this, this solemn, right, reminder that he's going to die. And God says, literally, turn back around and tell Hezekiah that he shall live. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, right? So we're hearing some of that as we look at these different accounts. Helps us understand how this unfolds. Look what happens here. Go and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. Notice what God cites. Remember again, he appealed to all these different things. Lord, my faithfulness, my good deeds. Lord, how I've walked before you. Listen to what he says here. I have heard your what? I've heard your prayer and I have seen what? Your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I'm just having a flashback. The last time that I preached this text was the night before we found out the diagnosis of my father. It's interesting. I stood right down there on a Wednesday night. There wasn't many of us gathered here. And I was preaching literally from Isaiah 38, just having a flashback. And and that was my hope and prayer is that this very thing that Hezekiah had experienced, that the Lord might allow my own father to experience that. And just as I'm preaching it now, I'm just kind of living back through some of that moment. It's kind of ironic. Um, I think this brings us right to an important question. Should I even pray for healing? Right? I, mean, I think it's something that we all as Christians, we've wondered, you may have thought of, like, should I even pray for healing, right? I mean, like, we hear from the Scriptures to die as gain. So, like, if it's actually good, right, how precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His what? Of His saints, of His people. So, like, so maybe I shouldn't even pray for healing. But listen, God doesn't respond and say, well, Hezekiah, I'm not going to heal you and I can't even believe you asked. Or like, no, Hezekiah, and like, how selfish might you be and how little is your faith to realize all that you have before you in the kingdom that is to come and how could you even come to a place of praying no the text says listen hezekiah prays god hears the prayer he sees the tears and god responds so we have biblical precedent right here in the midst of isaiah 38 that we should be praying for healing Now, this doesn't mean that God always heals. It doesn't mean that he'll always respond the way that you want him to, right? I mean, I was sharing briefly there my own experience. There was no adding of 15 years to the life, right? Despite prayer, despite tears, despite the fact of fasting, crying out, right? And so maybe we need to ask another question here. How do I pray for healing? Believing that God actually can and yet honestly come to the end of my prayer and say, not my will, but what? Your will be done. Right, I mean, let's be honest, we, we know the Lord's Prayer, but Todd taught us through that, right, of our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy what? Thy will be done on what? Earth as it is in heaven. Right, Jesus is in the garden. The cross is looming. It's Thursday night, the cross is coming Friday, and Jesus is there in the garden, praying alone to the Father, and we hear this dialogue unfolding as Luke chapter 22 shares it with us. That he's praying to the Father, Father, if it is possible, may this cup pass from me, this this taking on of the sins of humanity, this drinking down of your judgment as if I lived your life. And in the midst of Luke 22, I believe it's verse 42, I want to be certain there, 
Yeah, verse 42. We hear Jesus praying these words. Father, if it is possible, may this cup pass from me. Yet not my what will, but thine or yours be done. We hear the master praying that. So we hear this and we cannot assume, right? Or we, we would be on dangerous ground to assume that when Jesus prays that, that must mean that everything else he said really didn't matter. He really didn't mean, right? Like he wasn't like really being serious like God Take this cup pass from me, right? Let, let this cup pass, right? We have a moment in which Jesus, the master, the king of kings, God in the flesh, is literally asking God, Lord, if it's possible, may this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. So we see that we can actually pray with faith, God, would you heal me? And yet actually, or honestly and actually at the end of that prayer, say, not my will, but what? Your will be done. So those two are not in contradiction, even though it may feel that way, right? I, do you, does anybody ever struggle with that? Like, you feel like, man, am I like, is it like a cop out? Like, oh God, I'm going to give you an out right here. Like, I'm going to pray for this person to be healed. But Lord, I know if it's not your will, God, they won't be. And so that's kind of my way of not praying something really big and get you in trouble, God, because you didn't do it. And right. You ever feel that? So I think Jesus' example right in there in Luke chapter 22 in the garden is very instructive for us that we can pray earnestly, hoping, believing in faith prayer. God, would you heal this person? And yet at the same time, be at a place of surrender and recognize that it may not be God's will to do so. But saying not my will, but your will be done is in no way lessening our faith. Or hope in God that he might. I think that's it's, it's important when it comes to praying for healing. The text says further that he's going to add 15 years to your life. And then verse 6 of Isaiah 38. I will deliver you in the city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And will defend the city. Right? Hezekiah's hopelessness is a reminder of a greater hopelessness. A hopelessness that's not only shared by him, but all the people that the Assyrians are coming, right? I mean, these ruthless, barbaric people are coming in and going to destroy them. And he says, listen, I know that your situation seems hopeless, but I'm going to deliver you just like the situation of the city and the people in which you live is hopeless. And I'm going to deliver them. So Hezekiah's moment here in the moment of Judah is a reminder to all of us. No one that you love and care about is too sick. Physically or spiritually for God to redeem and restore. Amen. This is a moment of hope. Notice what happens. Verse seven. This shall be the sign to you from the Lord. For the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. Right. And so this is, helps us un, maybe mark when this happens. This doesn't happen immediately. Right. This healing doesn't take place immediately. Right. Some of the other accounts reveal the fact that it's about three days. He's told that he'll go now into the temple and worship. So we realize that there's a time of waiting. This message is delivered. There's a moment in which faith is called for, right? To believe, to trust. So he says, this shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. Behold, I will make the shadow cast by the declining sun on the dial of Ahaz turn back 10 steps. So the, turn, so the sun turned back on the dial the 10 steps by which it had declined. So God's response here of this backward movement of the sun's shadow suggests to him not only a, a reprieve or a safety, right? A, a, a security 
from the darkness of death, right? As the sun goes back and the light begins to shine there, right? It's a reminder that you, Hezekiah, I'm, I'm, I'm rescuing you from the gates of death. And also, listen, Hezekiah, I'm giving you more time in life, right? So I think there's a symbolicness of happening in this imagery, right? And again, none of us is really sure what happens, right? How this takes place, how exactly is God doing this? Some have um, come up with all kinds of different ideas. The text just doesn't reveal exactly how God does this supernatural work, yet He does. And a great work happens. Hezekiah moves on from this moment and begins to share with us how he felt in the midst of this time. And I, I think there's there's tons of practicality. I'm going to be brief in this section, but there's a lot here that you probably need to take and walk with as this man walks through a time, a period of time when he is facing death. So for some of you, that may be for you, like the diagnosis that you've received. Others of you may pe- have people you love and care about or, or people that you know, family or friends that are walking through very dark times. They've got very grim diagnoses. Right? And this is a moment in which maybe you can have an idea of maybe some of the things that they might be feeling or experiencing, even if they're not expressing those to you. So let's look at that just for a moment. Begin at verse 9. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. So again, this is him looking back on this time. Listen to some of the things he says. I said, in the middle of my days, I must depart. It's believed that Hezekiah was maybe around the age of 39. It's hard to be certain, but again, likely there in his 30s. But his life is cut short, right? I mean, listen to what else he says. I must depart. I am consigned to the gates of Sheol for the rest of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. Look what else he says here. I shall look on man no more. Think about your own life. If today your diagnosis comes and your time is short, what are some things in this life that you're going to miss out on? Some of you, it may be walking a daughter down the aisle. For some of you as grandparents, it will be seeing your grandchildren grow up. For some of you young people, it would be moments like graduation and things with all of your friends. Right? I mean, listen to what he says. I shall look on man no more. So this is a person, right, in the midst of dealing with this idea that he's going to die. He's saying, God, I'm too young to die. God, look at all that I'm going to miss out on. Right? I mean, this is just an honest confession of someone there that's struggling. So I would ask you, if your life was to be over, what are some things that you think you would miss the most? He says, further, my dwelling is plucked up and removed from me like a shepherd's tent, like a weaver. I have rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loon. From day to night, you bring me to an end. Look what he says further, verse 14. Like a swallow or a crane, I chirp. I moan like a dove. My eyes are weary with looking upward. Oh, Lord, I am oppressed. Be my pledge of safety. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me and he himself has done it. I will walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live and in these, all these is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health and make me live. Have you ever had moments like you ever thought like if I was somebody else I wouldn't be having these problems? 
Right? Like if we had like enough finances, we wouldn't have to be worrying about this issue right now. Or if we had power and influence, right, we wouldn't have to be worrying about like, is this job or whatever situation going to work out? Because we would know people and they would know people and that would just be the way we get in. Like, I mean, if you ever felt like, listen, if we were just someone else, it would be so much easier. This is the reminder. This is the king of Judah. And he says, I am moaning. I am weary. I am oppressed. And I am the bitterness of soul. It's a reminder when death looms, no matter how powerful, no matter how important, no matter how influential you may be, it will strike terror in all of us. It will bring us all to a place of weakness. Right? And that's where he is. Listen, I'm moaning. I'm weary. I'm oppressed. There's bitterness of my soul. I mean, this is just someone that says, I'm struggling with dying. I'm struggling with it. Listen, we all become weak and weary in moments when we face serious circumstances. The people we love and care about are facing serious circumstances. We become vulnerable in these moments. I want to encourage you, listen, as believers, that is an unbelievable, great opportunity for you to speak truth into the life of people you love and care about. For some of you, listen, you guys, you work in the medical field. You experience this a lot more than most folks do on average, right? I mean, you're, you're constantly dealing with people that are sick, that are weary, that are diseases, that are battling this situation. They can't figure out what is wrong that I can't get better, right? I mean, this is an opportunity for you to constantly just point them to Christ. To call them to set their house in order to encourage them with the love of Christ. Look what he says here. Oh, Lord, by these things men live and in all these is the life of my spirit. Oh, restore me to health and make me live. Here is Hezekiah letting us further in to the fact that he was crying out to God. God, heal me. Let me live. God, please. I was reading a few weeks ago back in third John and I heard these words. Listen to what John says. Beloved, I pray. All right. So this is John. Listen to this, it's interesting. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you. Listen to what he says. And that you may be in what? Good health as it goes well with what? Your soul. This is John praying for both their physical and spiritual needs. It's okay to pray for our physical needs. It's okay, right? I mean, we have this example from Scripture. This is John saying to the church, listen, I want you to know that I'm praying for your good health. I am praying also for your soul. Hezekiah shares more about, we're going to fast forward today, but he shares more about what all's happening here and some of the things that God's going to allow him to do. Fast forward me to verse 20. The Lord will save me and we will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. Right, He comes to a place of realizing, God, if you will restore me, look at the opportunities I have. Right, he, he, he shares about the fact the Father makes known to the children your faithfulness. God, I have more opportunity to share with those that I love about who you are. He's appealing to God. Please, God, heal me. Listen to what happens here in verse 21. Now, Isaiah had said, let them take a cake of figs. Right, The figs were often believed to have some type of medicinal purpose, Right, healing the Romans believed this a great deal as well, right? There's something about these figs. So notice this. This is interesting, right? This is kind of where our interaction, the question of how does medicine interact with my faith? And 
believing that God can heal me and should I should I see a doctor? Should I take medicine? Right? Those are practical questions people sometimes have. So let's let's answer that. Now Isaiah said, let them take a cake of figs and apply it to the boil, all right? This is all that we have, right? This is the only thing that we see of a symptom, right, of what's happening in the life of Hezekiah. We're not told more than that to know exactly what it is, but nonetheless, he has a boil, right? Look what it says here. Let them take a cake of figs. Notice what they're to do. Apply it to the boil. Why? He tells you, right, that what? That he may recover. I think it's interesting here, right? We kind of sometimes wonder, Right. How how does medicine work and how does this interact with God? And I think it reminds us that it's wrong to limit divine healing to those instances where no medicine or other means was utilized. Right. I think it's wrong for us to limit divine healing to only moments when it is just like there's no medicine or no anything else happened. Right. It's clear the figs are being used. Right. There's some type of medicinal thing that's being used But does any of us read this text and wonder who's healed him? It's clear, isn't it? Who's healed him? God has, but what's God used? He's used the medicine there, right? So some of us, again, you you face that. You're wondering, right? Like, does this this weaken my faith? Now, listen, we all got to answer those questions, right? We got to deal with those. Between us and the Lord and other godly counsel. But sometimes I think folks move to an extreme end to think that, listen, if I take medicine, then it limits my faith. But here is God using medicine to heal someone. And it's absolutely clear from the text, God has healed them. So I think it brings us to a place of James 1 and 17. Listen to this again. This, there's a ton of, do you see how practical it is? You're reading an Old Testament book, right, from 26, 2700 years ago. Do you see the practicality for your life? Why? Because this book is living, beloved. Listen, James 1 and 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift. So we have good gifts and we have perfect gift. Everyone, everyone. Notice what he says here is what? It's it's what? It's from above coming down from who? From the Father. So listen, beloved, you need to thank God for that doctor. You need to thank God for that medicine, right? Why? Because ultimately that's God's gift. God has blessed that person. God has blessed someone to be able to to study and, and do these different experiments to find out, oh, this medicine would work with that and this with that, right? I mean, so listen, you can walk in those seasons of striving to get better and not the fact that your faith is somehow weakened. But you need to be praising God for that doctor that's standing before you, that nurse that is attending to you. You need to praise God that there's that medicine available for you or your family member. Right? You acknowledge, listen, if that healing comes, it's God. You praise the Lord for that person. Thank you, God, for giving them that wisdom. God, thank you for that person in the lab that I've never met that's been striving and working. And Do you see how it all works together? It's all for God's glory. But you doesn't weaken your faith to say, listen, there's moments when I need to take medicine. And maybe that brings us to a good place for men. Men, March will be Colon Cancer Awareness Month. <clears throat> and as I share with the gentleman this week, I thanked him for doing his colonoscopy. I'll never forget the time when they asked the question to my own father, Mr. Jesse, when was the date of your last colonoscopy? And the answer was never. I get it. My dad was kind of the old school. I'm sure there's a lot of you guys in here that are probably old school. You, you, 
When you go to the doctor, I mean, you're at death's doorstep, right? I mean, that's the, that's when you go. I would just maybe appeal to you on behalf of your children, grandchildren, other people that love and care about you. Would you consider going? Would you maybe just see some of this text right here and say, that's got to somehow impact my life? Right? I mean, listen, I know that God's ordered my dad's steps for the day of his birth and the day of his death was set. I understand that. I'm at peace with that. But I want to encourage you, listen, medicine doesn't make a man weak. Going to see a physician or a doctor doesn't make a, a lady weak. It could be the very living out of your faith, trusting that God's good gift through in and through that person is going to bless you. So men, go. Go. I say it again, go. I want to finish with this. Sorry, I lost my... Got a little discombobulated thing about my pops. Um, The title of the sermon was, We Should Be Praying for Healing. It was a bit of a what's called a double entendre. That it has one meaning, but also another meaning. That yes, we should be praying for physical healing, but beloved, I, I want you to realize that there's a greater healing even than physical that we need to be praying for. In fact, what you might find interesting is that although we have this one or two chapters here in the midst of Isaiah, there's 50 plus chapters that all deal with spiritual things. So listen to what happens here. At that time, right, the son of the king of Babylon sends envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah for he'd heard that he had been sick and had recovered. This is Isaiah 39. Pick up me verse 2. Hezekiah welcomes them gladly. He shows them his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his whole armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. He shows them everything. Right? We're not sure exactly why. Is he trying to like elicit some type of favor or say, hey, listen, I I can, if you'll help protect us or look how influential or powerful we are. Right? We're not necessarily sure what's going on behind this. We get a little, little bit clearer picture in a moment. Listen when Isaiah comes and he says, what do these men say? Verse 3. And from where do they come to you? Hezekiah says, they came to me from a far country, from Babylon. He said, what have they seen in your house? Hezekiah answered, they've seen all that's in my house. There's nothing in my storehouses that I do not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And then listen to this moment. It says everything you have, all that you showed, it's going to go, right? Everything in your house is going to go. Listen, this, this, is, this is a terrifying moment. Listen, this reminds us as great and awesome as those moments of physical healing are, right? We need something more than physical healing. We need a change of heart. We need a spiritual redemption. Listen to this. This man who's been healed, he was at death's doorstep. He's given 15 more years. But listen, even the greatest miracle, right? This healing, this type of work. If it doesn't change a man or woman's heart. Isaiah says, and some of your own sons who will come from you, right? Again, that helps us maybe date this time that at this point, Hezekiah hasn't even had children, right? Possibly. Whom you will father shall be taken away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Your own kids, right? Eunuchs. Now, this is this is significant, right? 
Because the fact is, he's from the line of David. The line of David does not continue. That's where the Messiah is to come from, right? I mean, this is huge. Then, listen to this. Hezekiah said to Isaiah, this is terrifying. The word of the Lord that you have spoken is what? It's good. Why in the world would he think that is good for? Look what it says. For he thought, there will be peace and security, what? In my days. Mm. That's a terrifying epithet. He says, listen, I hear that all my sons, right? It's not going to go well for them and everybody, the people around here that I'm ruling over. And they're going to go into captivity and all the treasures and, right, everything's going to go bad for us here and our worship, right, that you've set up, God. And But guess what? That's a good word. You know why? Because it's still going to be good for me. It's a reminder, physical healing alone will not transform the heart. So, beloved, listen, I know, listen, I know, I know we spend a lot of time on physical healing. I want to ask you personally, how much time do you give praying for the physical healing of others? And how much time do you give this praying for their spiritual healing? Sunday school class, let's be honest. When you guys gather to pray... How much time is given to physical matters? I'm not lessening those, right? We have a very example from Scripture. We are to pray for healing. But if you're just praying for that person's healing alone, physically, you're missing it. How much time are you giving to praying for spiritual? As a church, right? How much time do we give to praying for spiritual matters? This guy had been healed and yet his heart was still about himself. All of this leaves us at a place for the people of Judah realizing that there's no king. And Hezekiah, listen, Hezekiah was even one of the good kings. There is no king, even one of the good kings, that ultimately would be the hope for Judah. They were looking forward to a great king that must come One who would truly love his neighbor as what? He loves himself. One that would say there's no greater love than this. That a man, right, lay down his life for his friends. They were waiting for this king to finally come. All of this prepares us for the rest or the remainder of Isaiah chapters 40 on through 60 something. As we hear the fact that the people will go into Babylon, but there's hope. Why? Because there's a king coming. There's a king coming who will heal more than our physical hearts. Yes, he will do that. Our physical beings. But there's a king coming who can heal the heart. Who can transform you from the inside out. That king, beloved, is Jesus. And the reason why he can do that is because on the cross, he takes upon your sickness of sin... Everything that you and I have ever done. And he dies on the cross as if he's lived your life. That by faith you can become and be made clean as if you lived his life. That king is coming. And the last part of Isaiah will show us and the hope of this king that's coming. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the hope of Christ. I pray today, God, that you would draw people to you, Lord, to realize there's something more. There's something greater than just physical healing. The truth is, if we're all healed here physically, we're still going to die at some point. So, Lord, I pray that right now we would be intentional people to speak truth, to call others to set their house in order.
Father, I pray for those here who have maybe not set their house in order at this point. Spiritually, they're not right with you, God. Father, I pray they would come under the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, putting their faith and trust in Him alone. Father, may you heal, yes, those who are physically sick. Yes, Lord. But God, even more so, we appeal to you for the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. Please save and set free. Please redeem. Please, God, would you bring the healing? I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.